Psalm chapter 91 in your Bibles to begin this evening. Psalm chapter 91. Have I told you recently that I love you all? I sure do. And I'm sure thankful to be your pastor. I would ask uh, this evening that you would help to cut down on distractions. There were quite a few distractions this morning. And I know we live in a different time than I grew up in. Uh, People are raised different. They're taught different things. In a lot of ways, uh, young people are not taught respect in the house of God anymore, but they're not taught respect in any place anymore. They're not taught to respect their teachers at school, and they're not taught to respect authorities like the policemen. This entire generation is watching politicians spit in the face of our policemen, and guys like LeBron James post pictures of policemen saying, you are next, in other words, kill him. And they've lost respect for authority. We've we've lost respect of the house of God as well, and I, I understand that, so I try in some ways to be patient, but brother, when I was a kid, uh, coming up in church, if I made any kind of a distraction in the service, I was sometimes headed out of the service with my parents for a uh, little rendezvous. And I was the preacher's kid. And on more than one occasion, I was ushered out of a service to go um, have a, a talk. When mom said, um, you be quiet or we're going to go have a talk, that meant more than a talk. And more than once, I was not quiet enough after the first, second, and third warning, and we had to go have a talk. But now I understand things are not quite the same. I try to be careful not to... I try to be careful to understand that and not to hurt people's feelings, but at the same time, I would request that uh, we try to cut down on distractions as much as possible. If I could ask that you turn your cell phones off and... Not even on vibrate. And if this is possible, like turn your watches off so that you're not getting mon- notifications throughout the service that you can just turn your wrist over and check it out and be constantly distracted from what the Lord would have for you. Um, and if you could try to sit still and not get up and go to the restroom during the service, that would be a blessing. Um, I understand if you have to, you have to. So, But if you could be cautious, that would be a blessing. Psalm chapter 91 and verse number 1. Let's all stand to our feet in honor of the Word of God if we could please. Psalm chapter 91 and verse number 1. This is a powerful passage. We're going to come to something near the end of the passage that I think you'll find very interesting. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's not a... It's not a spooky, feelings-based thing like, where is the secret place of God? I've heard preachers preach it that way, and I'm not against that, but y'all, the Bible is not meant to be a mystery. If there's something we don't understand, we just need to pray for wisdom and discernment and, and wait until we understand it before we build a doctrine or a message or a life principle off of it. Very simply, what I believe to be being said is those that dwell closely with God. Not, not, the, not the average take-it-or-leave-it relationship with God, but those who desire to dwell, not just walk, but dwell closely with Him. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The shadow is a protective place. It's used frequently in the Scriptures as a term of protection. Verse number 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him. Will I trust? Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. 
Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like something that came out of maybe Matthew chapter number 4? That was maybe used of the devil? Does that sound familiar? I want to speak to you on this subject this evening. Spiritual warfare in the Bible. Spiritual warfare in the Bible. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would anoint this service with power from on high. This is your church. These are your people. I have been called by you. Anything that I have, spiritual or of this earth, anything I have that is good has come from me. I didn't call myself to this place. I didn't call myself to the ministry. Lord, you called me to it. Therefore, I belong to you. And my desire is to serve you this evening. I pray, Lord, that you would use this imperfect vessel and fill me with power from on high. I pray that you would please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Guide and direct my thoughts and my speech. Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus Christ over this place and we ask that you'd please cast out all the devils and demons that would try to prevent us from hearing your word and your Holy Spirit, that would try to distract us from the truth of your word. Please, Lord, have your way in the service tonight. Move in our midst. Holy Spirit, I beg you. We pray these things as we ask it in Jesus' name and amen. You can be seated. You can mark that place in your Bibles, and I want you to turn, if you would please, to Matthew chapter number 4, where this passage is brought up by the devil himself. I want you to look at it with me in verse number 5 of Matthew chapter 4. Last week, I started a message, uh, I guess Sunday morning and then Sunday night, that turned into a little series on spiritual warfare. As I was praying and considering what the Lord would have us to do this evening, I felt compelled to go to this passage and to these passages and to continue on the subject of spiritual warfare. I want you to see here in Matthew chapter, chapter number 4 and verse number 5, then the devil taketh him up into the holy city. Now who is the him in this verse? And setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. If you, if you get the idea that Satan won't make his way into the church, he's sitting on, he's sitting on the pinnacle of the temple. Some that were possessed were found in the temple. So it does happen. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is what? Written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Is that what he said? Is that what the Bible says? For the most part, yes. Many times when we speak of spiritual warfare, we think of some of the things that have been referenced as in spirits and temptations and things of that nature. And we dealt with some of that kind of stuff last week. But one thing that I think is missed greatly in culture today is how much Satan uses the Word of God to his own wicked desires to cause people to stumble. Satan knows the Bible probably better than anybody in this room. I would imagine he knows it better than anybody that I know. He has been around since the beginning at one time, was an anointed cherub. He knows the Word of God. One of the first things that the devil did, the very first words that we hear him speaking, what does he use in his first ever words recorded in the Bible? Well, he uses God's Word itself in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter number 3, 
he uses God's words that were spoken to Eve and quotes them to her. Again, we see in Matthew chapter 4 that he quotes the words of God the Father to God the Son. If Satan will use the Word of God to try to confuse or cause Jesus Christ to stumble, and if he did use the words of God to try to get Eve to stumble and accomplish it, don't you suppose that there is a really strong chance that he is still doing the same thing today? Unfortunately, what is true is that some people don't understand how to discern their Bibles to the extent that they are not caused to stumble by some that are using it to cause you to stumble today. You see, the problem is that the Bible speaks of some of God's false, or some, some of the devil's false prophets, excuse me. That the Bible speaks of some of the devil's false prophets and relates to us this idea that. Satan himself was transformed into an angel of light. Is that right? And so he he expresses to us that we should not be surprised that there might be some that would, would appear in a different form or in a different fashion in order to deceive us. They would also transform themselves into angels of light or into messengers of light when they themselves are not messengers of light at all. The same thing is happening today. You see, his goal is to make people misunderstand or reinterpret God's Word for their own usefulness instead of its intended purpose. When you read Psalm chapter 91, there are a lot of really good passages in here that can be claimed by the Christian. But there's something important for us to cover. Did you read through those passages, and be honest now, did you read through those passages in Psalm 91 and say, wow, those are great promises, but also begin to question, how do they apply to me? Because the truth is, when it says things like, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday, a thousand thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not, not come nigh thee. Did anybody read that and say, well, how come it is that God's Word promises that no pestilence shall come unto thee if you dwell close to Him, but I had loved ones that died of some disease? Anybody ever question these things? Would you be honest and admit that maybe sometimes there are passages in the Scripture that you don't understand and don't understand how they apply and that maybe there are times that we wish we could claim certain passages and it looks like we should be able to claim them, but they don't come true for us all of the time. You know, uh, Paul himself, we don't know what exactly what it was for, but the Bible tells us that Paul himself besought God. How many times? Does anybody remember? On three separate occasions, he besought God for some kind of a thorn in his flesh. We don't know exactly what it was. But God didn't heal him of it. He didn't take it from him. Or whatever it was. Are you with me? So does it sound like maybe some of the things that we would hope we should be able to claim in Psalm 91 for every single Christian didn't exactly always apply to Paul and the men that followed with him? Yes. So would it be fair to say that if we're not careful, there can be times that we can try to take a certain passage of Scripture and apply it to our lives, and the reality is that it just doesn't apply. Does that mean the Scripture is not true? No. doesn't mean that. But as I said this morning, there are times that the Word of God means something that can be useful for every Christian, but it doesn't always apply the way that we want it to apply it. I wish we could say that no person that is ever truly saved would ever get sick. And there is misunderstanding about these things within some religious circles who actually claim things like, if you were truly saved and if you were truly a child of God, you wouldn't have to deal with any sickness. And then people fall out of those types of religions because they get lost and confused, not understanding, well, I'm saved and I got sick. I'm saved and my husband died of, of a heart attack. I, I'm saved and my child died. And Is everybody okay? 
So I must not be saved. There are all kinds of confusing things that are spread throughout the world using God's Word to do it. And a lot of Christians today are fighting what they don't understand, but it's a spiritual warfare. And we talked about that warfare for your mind and for your spirit last week. But I want to talk about the spiritual warfare that surrounds the Bible that is going on today. So what do we do when we come across passages like Psalm 91? Well, there are a couple things that I think we all need to consider. First of all, again, I remind you, try to consider the context. Now, in this passage, we don't know exactly who is writing it or what it is written about. There is no author that is listed in Psalm chapter number 91. And so it's a little bit hard for us to grasp exactly what is being said. But let's consider this. Do you think it's possible that the psalmist himself in Psalm chapter number 91 had experienced something of this nature and God delivered him from it, and so therefore it is largely a psalm of praise issuing forth from his heart? Do you think that would be safe to say? I would think so. Study it for yourself and determine for yourself. Now, would it also be true that there may be times that certain of these passages could be true for all of us, just might not always be applicable. Let me put it this way. Spurgeon said of these passages that in Psalm 91, these things that are written will ultimately come to pass for all of us because no matter what kind of pestilence or evil may come upon God's people, there is no evil or pestilence that will truly overcome us because it's all just, if it does take us in this flesh, it's all just leading to our eternal glory in which there will be no pestilence and in which there will be no evil and in which there will be no death. And so in the spiritual realm, it is true for all of us. Does that make sense? But then he said this, but it's also true that every passage of Scripture, even if it doesn't apply to our exact situation, there can be times when God will use these things and by the Holy Spirit bring them to our attention in a time where He is ready to apply them to our life. Does that make sense? And he used this illustration. He said during a certain blight in London, where he was pastoring that great church during those days that God raised up under his preaching. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, of course, more than under his preaching. It was the work of God, certainly. We have to be careful not to credit man with the work of God. And, and, and I think you understand what I'm saying. He was a preacher that was used greatly of the Lord. And that, that church that was raised up, he said, there came a blight, uh, some kind of a pestilence among the people. And he said, we had church people that were getting sick constantly. And he said, I was constantly getting word of people that were getting sick and many that were dying. And he said, I wished I could have applied Psalm 91 to all of their lives. He said, but as I was getting to the point where after days and days, and I don't remember if he said weeks of, of nonstop visits, going from member to member to member, and about the time he'd get settled in, another, another person would call and, or, or would get a hold of him and he would find out that somebody else had, had succumbed to the pestilence. And he said, I got to the point where I was physically and mentally mentally weary, and I was about to wear down, and he said, I was walking down a certain street, and I don't remember which street it was uh, that he mentioned, he said, but I was walking down a certain street, and he said, I don't know why this was, but in that moment where I was wearing down physically, he said, I don't know why this, this certain merchant had done this, but there was a certain uh, a seller of goods uh, in that region that put in his, the, the window of his shop a passage from Psalm 91. And he said, he, he, he quoted and had written down verse number 10. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. He said, I hadn't necessarily been considering Psalm 91 while all of these people were dealing with this plague. And he said, I must admit at times I myself began to wonder if I would succumb to it with all of the people that I was visiting that had come under this blight as he called it. He said, but in that moment, the Holy Spirit caused me to look into a window of a shopkeeper who had placed that passage in the window and it gave me by the power of the Holy Spirit a promise that I held on to and that God used in my life at that time and he said I was able to make every visit and every stop and never got it myself Amen. and he used that example to say this 
There may be times when it may apply to some, but it may not apply to others. And it will be the Holy Spirit who will draw it to your attention as you read it or as you need it. He'll point out to you when this is applicable for you. Does that make sense? But you see, Satan tried to misappropriate this passage for Jesus Himself, didn't he? He tried to tempt Jesus Himself and say, now, if you'll just cast yourself off of this place, then uh, don't you think that God the Father will send His angels to protect you, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone? And even Jesus Himself knew there were some things in the Bible you could not claim at the wrong times or for the wrong reasons. He said, no, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Right? I'm not just going to use this passage as a promise that applies to me just because it's written in the Word of God and I'm just going to cast myself down so God will apply it to me. The Bible doesn't always work that way. Is everybody okay? Jesus gave an answer making it clear that look, there are times that the Word of God does not apply exactly the way that you might want it in your given situation. We just have to continue to trust the Lord and if He wants to apply it to us, then He can and He will bring that to our attention through the Holy Spirit. I can tell you that there are passages I, I wished I could have claimed at certain parts of my life and they did not come to pass. But then there were other times that I was listening to a message or a sermon somewhere or I was reading my Bible and God through His powerful Holy Spirit drew something to my attention and said that's for you at this time and it came to pass. And if you ever have any question whether or not it is for you in this time, just wait it out. If it doesn't come true, then it wasn't. If it does, then it was. Pretty simple, don't you think? That's the same test God said to use for people that claim to be His prophets. Right? If they say that this is going to come to pass and it doesn't come to pass, well then they weren't my prophet. That's a pretty good test, don't you think? Now then, I wanted to cover all that to say every word of God is true and all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. But we do have to be careful about understanding the Word of God and understanding its application in our lives. See, I'm very burdened about this. Satan uses people who look like godly people and godly preachers to spread false doctrines. Or to use the Bible against God's people and confuse them. Would you, would you turn your Bibles please to 2 Peter chapter number 2? 2 Peter chapter number 2. I want you to see some specific wording here that's important for us to understand concerning these false prophets. 2 Peter chapter number 2, and look at verse number 1. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. Now did you notice the difference in the wording there? False prophets and false teachers, right? There were false prophets, people who prophesied things that didn't come to pass. There will be false teachers for you. Did you catch that? Who privily shall bring in damnable heresies even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Now you don't always know this. They don't always say it openly. But some of these people eventually, if you watch them long enough, they deny that the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way. If you watch them long enough, they'll do it. Verse number 2, And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. You see, people of this nature are being used by God, or I keep saying that, are being used by the devil in order to get a great following and then eventually cause some of these people to fall or to be revealed and cause many people to speak evil of the way that we have been taught. You see, people throw out the Word of God and they throw out Christianity because some person that they followed or they got sucked into some great movement by some person who had a big name or a great image or a giant church and then they fall and because of their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of, then what ends up happening is people who 
thought they knew that this person was a godly person, they then find out that this person was not a godly person, and they become evil spoken of, and the truth becomes evil spoken of. In other words, uh, Satan uses some of these people just to cause lost people to stumble at the truth because they thought they had it right, and then they got all confused when their earthly idol false prophet teacher singer fell or led them in the wrong direction. Verse number 3, and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make what? So there are a lot of people out there who through covetousness with feigned words, fake and false but very fluffy words, are going to use their words to make merchandise of you. Is that what your Bible says? whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. God is very clear about His plans for these individuals. Um, look at verse uh, 17 of the same passage. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak, here we go again, what? Great swelling words of what? Vanity they allure through the lusts of the flesh. Through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. Clean escaped from what? Clean escaped from the lusts of the flesh. So in other words, they allure people who escape the lusts of the flesh. How do you escape the lusts of the flesh? By the power of the Holy Spirit and by the power of the Word of God, right? So there are people who escape the lusts of the flesh. Things that you know to be wrong, you were pulled away from those things, but then there are teachers and I, I'm going to say singers and others who are out there who look godly and sound like they understand the Word of God and they sound like they're giving you truth and they sound like they're giving you light, but what ends up happening is you become a more fleshly living person because of the things that they are singing and saying. Now you may not like me for saying this, but that is one of the greatest earmarks of the Christian contemporary music movement and the Southern Gospel music movement today. That the people who follow a lot of that stuff in modern day, a lot of the music that is being sung and the ways that it is being sung, what is happening is they give you some good words every now and then and they use the Word of God every now and then, but the people that follow those individuals, they are very fleshly and they lead to lusts of the flesh by their own lifestyles and they justify the lusts of the flesh by their own lifestyles and they are leading people who were pulled away from their sin back into their sin. Verse number 19 while they promise them liberty, freedom, free, I am free. They themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. For of whom a man is overcome, not by what, of whom. Did you catch that? Some of these people are overcome by somebody that brings them into bondage. Did you catch that? Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter number 4, if you would please. Ephesians chapter number 4. Going somewhere with all this, now look at verse number 11 of Ephesians chapter 4. Now speaking of God and His, His ordained preachers for the church. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 4 and verse number 11, and He gave some apostles. We don't have apostles anymore. God gave those for a specific time and a specific purpose. And some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. We have evangelists, pastors, and teachers, right? They're still around. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Look at verse number 14 that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to what? 
So there are some that lie in wait to deceive you, and it is the pastor's responsibility, and God gave the pastor to the church in order to try to help you not be deceived by those that are trying to deceive you, yes? So this is my responsibility. Some people love to say the pastor shouldn't be meddling in these things. No, I am called to meddle in these things. And I'm not afraid to. Now then, here are the rest of my responsibilities. Look at verse number 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So, we should all speak the truth in love to one another, but I'm supposed to speak the truth in love to you. One of my greatest burdens today is that Christians know what is true and what is not. Listen, I, I have preached many times on the dangers of listening to every preacher that's on Facebook. And by the way, just because he calls himself a Baptist, I believe that there are some that call themselves Baptists that are also false teachers. And I, and I don't know how all this works. I'm not saying that every large church is this way. That's not what I'm saying. But, but I will say that just because a man has a large church and a large following doesn't mean it is of God. I don't understand how all this works, but I have seen some men that were great orators and had huge churches that I believe when I look back on their ministry and the great fall that they ended up having may not have even been saved. And they were independent Baptists. I believe that happens too. I don't think the Baptists are free of some of this stuff. But I believe it does happen more often, these false teachers make their way more often into places where it is easier to deceive people because they're not being taught the truth. And so, if you're in a good Bible-believing and teaching church, hopefully you're being led to a Bible truth and a Bible doctrine that establishes your faith and not just being told to follow a man blindly. I'm not asking you to follow me. I'm trying to point you to your Bibles. If there is anything that I hope I am known for as your pastor, it is that it is my desire in the pulpit to give you the Bible and point you to the truth of that. Not to some idea that I have. There are some, there are some messages I would really love to preach that don't always jive with the Word of God, so I have to leave them alone. There are things that it would be my desire for you to know the truth of concerning your Bibles. Listen, please understand one of the greatest attacks that is taking place today and that has been taking place since the first time that Satan spoke to mankind as far as it is recorded is that he is using the Bible to cause people to stumble. Are, are you understanding that? This is spiritual warfare. Hey, look up here. This is spiritual warfare maybe more than you understand. All that uses the Bible is not of God. It is not of God. Mm -mm. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Yes. Now, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. In 2 Timothy chapter number 3, God says this, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, more and more of them, and they will get worse and worse. Are you with me? As, as we see the day approaching, as we get into these latter days, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Wax means to add layers to. So, more and more of them are going to be coming out deceiving more and more people. And they will also themselves, little by little, you won't know them at first as, as false teachers, but they themselves will wax worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And either you'll be led into their fleshly ways, or you will eventually see, man, they're waxing worse and worse. This isn't right. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. You see, that's in 2 Timothy 3.13. You need to go read that yourselves. Deceiving and being deceived. I believe that some of these people who are on national stages or that are leading people astray are actually deceived themselves. 
They honestly, and you say, well, they seem genuine. They are. They believe what they're saying because they themselves have been deceived. This is, in many cases, this is the leaders of some false religions. I believe that there are Mormons who, many Mormons, who genuinely believe that they've got it right because they've been deceived. And because they've been deceived, they're de deceiving many. And you have to be careful about saying, well, you know, I mean, they're good people, so, so we need to give them the benefit of the doubt. No, the Bible says that we shouldn't even give them, give them uh, Godspeed. In other words, we shouldn't even wish them a good day. Why? Because this, this matter of making sure that you are sure in your doctrine is so important that you cannot afford to be too close to them by being too kind to them. Doesn't mean you don't love them. Doesn't mean you don't care for them. Doesn't mean that you you don't cuss at them when they come to your door. But it does mean that you do not have anything to do with them. Amen. You see, they shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. I believe that there are many very genuine people in the Catholic Church, and they are very deceived, including many of the priests. They're just deceived. Now, I think there are people above them that may know the truth. I don't know how high that goes. But I think there are a lot of them that are deceived. What am I saying? I'm saying I believe that that's true in the non-denominational spectrum. I believe that that's true sometimes in a lot of these false churches. I believe that there are good people believing what they have been told because they themselves have been deceived in nearly every false way. And so you cannot afford to just say, well, because they're genuine, they're right. Wrong. They might be genuine and totally wrong. Because they've been deceived. My heart goes out to many of these people that are caught in religions that are leading them in the wrong way or in, relig in religious thoughts that are leading them the wrong way. Amen. Because how would, you, how would you like it? If, and we know, we know we have the truth because, listen, as, as an independent Baptist preacher, I do, I do not try to teach you a system of religious beliefs. I just try to point you to the Word of God. I said that earlier, but please understand the importance of that. Because here's what I want. I want you to be able to pick up your Bible and clearly see what the Bible says, not just follow some religious group of teachings. And so, we know we have the truth because I'm not leading you into a religious group of teachings. I'm showing you the Bible. You can check it out for yourself. I'm begging you to check it out for yourself. Know this book. We know we have the truth, but let me ask you this. What if I was standing up here or you had been raised in the Baptist circles and you had been taught a, a, a religious idea that you genuinely believed and had been deceived in and you were genuinely seeking the way to heaven and you wake up in hell? You know, that reality hit me one day when another preacher said it. He said, imagine that you're one of those people that is genuinely seeking the way of God and you are led into a religion of deception and you wake up in hell and there are people down there today that are saying, but if I had only known, I would have done whatever was true. Amen. It bothers me for some that are caught in these false belief systems. I don't hate them, but I'm also supposed to show you that they are wrong. Are you with me? Now then. I've said a lot about false teachers and preachers, and you've got to be so careful about listening to them. But can I say this also? You have to be so careful about listening to every singer that comes along today. Let me say that again. You have to be careful about listening to every singer and song that comes along today. I believe one of the greatest deceptions that is happening in Christianity today is the Christian music industry. I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to Christian music. That's not what I just said. I'm not trying to rain on your Christian music parade. But I, I am speaking from experience, and I hate to admit this, but I, I have told you that some of, of, of what I have listened to in the past. And I'm not going to go into all of that. But I didn't realize until later in my Christian life that there were, 
there were ideas about the Bible and about, about my spiritual walk that were, that were tweaked wrong and that were off. And there were things that I believed and thought and, 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 and I had to wrestle with some of those things for years that I didn't realize were being planted in my mind through some of the music I was listening to that was religious music. And it's dangerous. Because they use the same methods that the devil uses. And I'm not saying that all these people are possessed with devils and out to get you. I'm saying some of them are deceived and they just don't even know what they're saying. No, I'm serious. I'm not saying I hate these people. Did you hear the last ten minutes? Saying my heart goes out to many of them. Because they themselves are deceived. But I still need to point out to you the errors. I didn't know what the top songs were today, so I, I, I did a little search. Top songs in the music industry. The top 20 songs played on iHeartRadio that are considered Christian music songs. They called them the top 20 hot songs on iHeartRadio. The song number one, the first song. My Story, Your Glory by Matthew West. I don't know who he is. It starts out pretty good. Verse number one. The story of me was a story of shame. Wrong turns written on every page. So many parts that were so messed up. But I love the part where you showed up. Rewriting my past, rewriting my hurt, line by line, word by word. And now my story is living proof. There's not a chapter that you can't use. I don't really disagree with most of that. Chorus. My story. Your glory. My pain, your purpose. My mess, your message in all things. I know you're working one life, one mission, one reason why I'm living. All for you, not for me. My story, your glory. I don't know how this song sounds. It sounds kind of rocky to me, but I don't know. Verse number 2. Now the story of me is a story of grace. Fingerprints of mercy on every page. No more ashamed of the path I took. You set me free to be an open book. Wait a minute. No more ashamed of the path I took. You set me free to be an open book. Does that sound familiar to anything we read just a moment ago? Let me remind you again. Would you go to 2 Peter and read it together with me? Stay with me. I'll explain. Verse number 18 of 2 Peter chapter number 2. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promise them what? Liberty. They themselves are the servants of corruption. I have an issue with this verse. No more ashamed of the path I took. You set me free to be an open book. No longer ashamed of the path I took? Why? Shouldn't we be ashamed of the path of sin that God freed us from? He promises liberty. Does that sound familiar? Did you just read that in 2 Peter? No more ashamed of the path I took. You set me free to be an open book. If even my scars are part of your plan, take all of my heart, Lord. Here I am. I believe our scars can be a part of God's plan. But no more ashamed of the path I took. You set me free to be an open book. Okay. You know what this is doing? It's giving people the idea that 
Whatever I went through in the past, the sins that I lived in, I don't need to be ashamed of those things. I can talk about them openly because that's just who I am. Because that's the message of this modern church today. God will take you as you are. You don't have to repent of anything. You live however you want. Be whoever you want. God will love you anyway. Let's all just talk about it and love each other in it and live in it because that's where God loves us anyway. No more ashamed. You know, that's interesting because in Jeremiah chapter number 6, the Bible says, were they ashamed when they had committed abomination. Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. There are some things that you ought to be ashamed about in your past, and if you're listening to the wrong kind of music, you're going to live a life saying... I don't need to be ashamed of my past because God freed me from all of it. Wrong! The kind of pastors I grew up around said, I don't want to talk about my past. I'm ashamed of my past. God liberated me from it and it's because I'm no longer that person anymore that I don't want to live in it anymore. A whole lot of truth with a little false doctrine thrown in. Hello? God goes on in Jeremiah chapter number 8 and says the same thing. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore shall they fall among them that fall. Hello? In the time of their visitation they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 7, God speaks of godly sorrow that works repentance to salvation not to be repented of. Are you with me? Godly sorrow that works the kind of repentance not to be repented of. In other words, there should be a kind of sorrow that we are so sorry for our past that we don't repent of the path that we chose with God. Hello? Hello? That's exactly opposite of what you just heard in that song. Hello? Yes, it is. Exact opposite. No more ashamed. Neither were they ashamed. Hello? Yes? No more ashamed of the path I took. You set me free to be an open book. Oh, it all sounds good until you get the false doctrine. Now, doesn't it? One of the most popular songs is by Lauren Daigle. Thank God I do. I've seen love come and I've seen love walk away. So many questions. Will anybody stay? It's been a hard year. So many nights in tears. All of the darkness trying to fight my fears alone. So long alone. I don't know who I'd be if I didn't know you. I agree with those things. I'd probably fall off the edge. I don't know where I'd go if you ever let go. So keep me held in your hands. I've started breathing. The weight is lifted here with you. It's easy. My head is finally clear. There's nothing missing when you are by my side. I took the long road, but now I realize I'm home with you. I'm home. I don't know who I'd be if I didn't know you. I'd probably fall off the edge. I don't know where I'd go if you ever let go, so keep me held in your hands. Interesting wording, isn't it? You see, because your Bible says, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Wait a minute. I don't know where I'd go if you ever let go. Is that what your Bible says, that he'll let go? Is everybody okay? So keep me held in your hands? Why do you have to ask him to do that? He promised that if you're saved, no man shall pluck you out of his hand. He doesn't want you to be plucked out of his hand. He has promised you that nobody will be able to do that. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Hebrews chapter number 13 and verse number 5, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor what? Amen. 
They make merchandise of you. They're selling you things while giving you false doctrines. Remember, and through covetousness shall they with feigned word. They have covetousness. They covet money and things and possessions and wealth. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words, fake, false, fancy words, make merchandise of you. They do it out of covetousness. They make fluffy songs so that you'll buy their recordings. Whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. You see, Satan knows the Bible, and he uses it to cause people to stumble into false doctrines. Be careful what you listen to. Because whether you know it or not, you will eventually be getting things that come into your mind that will establish things that will confuse you down the road. You'll be praying things like, Lord, Lord, please, please don't let me go. Please keep me in your hands. And you don't need to be praying that. He's not going to let you go. This is just a bunch of emotional mumble jumbo in order to try to get you to listen and cry. So that you'll keep listening and keep crying and keep paying and keep buying. With covetousness, they make merchandise of you. You see, there is spiritual warfare taking place using the Bible itself. Your only defense is to know your Bible thoroughly enough not to be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Remember when we were looking at our spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter number 6? Would you turn with me in your Bibles there again in Ephesians chapter 6? And look at verse number 11. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, because of these things, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, what is your first piece of armor? Having your loins girt about with what? Our first command in this war is to have ourselves prepared with the truth. This only comes by being a student of the Bible, not just an occasional reader of it. You see, it has to become more than reading at some point. It needs to become studying. Because evil seducers shall wax worse and worse. Deceiving many and being deceived. Hello? You must know your Bible. What did Jesus do when Satan used Psalm 91 to try to get him to stumble? He, he counteracted it with Scripture, right? He knew his Bible well enough to say, okay, that's not how that applies. Are you with me? And every Christian needs to be such a student of your Bible that you can pick it out just by knowing God's Word for yourself. When false doctrine arises, you have another verse in your mind that says, now wait a minute, this part of the Bible says this, but you're telling me this, something's off. Are you with me? You ought to be able to do this when you're sitting in a church service. You ought to be able to do this when you're listening to a certain song. You ought to be able to do this when you're reading or looking at something on Facebook or Instagram or anything else. You ought to be able to do this when you're talking to a friend. There ought to be the Word of God that is hidden in your heart and washing through your mind because you are a student of your own Bible. Don't take my word for it. Know that book for yourself. 
Because if at any point I wanted to lead a congregation astray, then I promise you it wouldn't be too hard to start taking verses out of context and make them sound like they fit. But anybody can do that with anything in the Bible. And I challenge you to know your Bible for yourself. Because there is a spiritual warfare going on using the Bible itself. And the only weapon you have is having your loins girt about with truth. Did you catch that? In the same passage of 2 Timothy chapter number 2 where God tells Timothy, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He then also says a few verses later, Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There needs to come a time when you are not just taking the milk of the word of God, being hand-fed like babies need to be hand-fed, the milk of the Word of God, but also you yourself are studying it and beginning to chew on the meat of the Word of God. Can I encourage you to be faithful to every church service if you can? Can I explain why? Some of you may not have ever picked up on this, but I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I always try every single service, every single week, to lean heavily upon the Lord and seek His face concerning what is His will for the church in every service. At the same time, I believe that He often leads me to and my heart often leans towards simpler passages in the Word of God on Sunday mornings because the crowd that is here on Sunday mornings is often a one service only crowd, and many of them need simpler truths from the Word of God. Now this morning, there was a lot of Scripture. But typically, if you're coming only on Sunday morning, what you're getting is a lot of uh, simpler things. Are, are you okay? You come Sunday night and Wednesday night, we try to dig a little deeper. And if you want to grow in your Christian life, you're going to need to be more than just a Sunday morning Christian. You're going to need more than just simple milk every now and then. Simple truths. Simple truths are often always very needful and we often need to be reminded of them. But if you come Sunday night, we'll get dig a little deeper. If you come Wednesday night, we'll dig a little deeper. If you come to Sunday school, we'll dig a little deeper. But some people might get the idea if they only listen to Sunday morning services, man, that's a lot of simple preaching. Well, a couple of things with that. First of all, I'm just a simple-minded preacher. I preach simple things. But but second of all, sometimes that's on purpose because of the crowd that, that needs to be fed a certain thing in a certain way. Are you with me? You need to be faithful to church because you need more depth than just Sunday morning. If you can get here, get here but also become a student of your own Bible. Study, study. Don't just read. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Make sure you dig into that book. You see, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. God tells us to put on the whole armor of God and to have our loins girt about with truth. Do you know enough truth in your Bible to have red flags even when you're listening to your favorite artist, who if there are enough red flags when they're singing should no longer be your favorite artist. And can I tell you, and I'm not trying to be unkind, but if you're listening to most modern artists today, there should be a lot of red flags. (laughs) I just made an enemy out of some of you. There should be. Every now and then I'll let you know, my, 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 um, some of the, the music apps that we use, you know, when, when your album is over or whatever, you know, sometimes I'll be listening to, um, why can't I think of their name? The guys that were here 
couple times to do sets. Sometimes I might be listening to do sets or every now and then Brother Daniel. I don't know why I do that. Um, and the family, of course, of course. Um, I might listen to some of that. Every now and then a little sound. My, my wife loves it when I get on these uh, bluegrass gospel kicks. She just loves bluegrass gospel. Um, as an Elgin, uh, Illinois city girl, you know, that's not exactly her flavor. But, um, but you'd be listening to something. Every now and then when the album is over, it just clicks over to something else. Right? Because, because Apple or Spotify or whoever, they, just, they think they got you. You know, they understand you. So they flip over to something they think you'll like. And, and I'm, every now and then I'll let it run. I'm just curious what's, what's going on today. And I will tell you more times than not, what I hear is there's some good things, there's some good things. Ooh. Well, that ain't right. The majority of the time. I rarely hear something that is coming out of the music industry today that's so-called Christian music that doesn't have some kind of error in it. And there are a lot of people that are being led astray by this stuff. It genuinely ought to make you sick when you hear God's music being used for a false purpose. And again, I'm not saying these are bad people. Some of them are good people that have just been deceived by whatever religious circle they're running in. So they're singing things that they've been taught and that they believe genuinely. But they're still not true. Spiritual warfare in the Bible. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please help us to be aware of this spiritual warfare that's taking place. I pray that you'd help us to be aware. Help us to understand that Satan has been, always has been, and still is today using the Bible against us to try to cause us to stumble. With heads bowed and eyes closed.